Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. So today my guest uh, is Emma Buckley. Uh, Emma is a recent graduate of Trinity College. And is that correct, Emma? Yes, that's correct. And also uh, the newest hire at Great Point Wealth Advisors. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to, to have uh, a newer investor and get her perspective on you know what's what's top of mind in, in her life when it comes to money and maybe what her and her friends are talking about. So uh, Emma, do you want to take a minute to introduce yourself and uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll jump right into it. Thank you, Matt, for the introduction and thanks for having me on the podcast. So like Matt said, I just recently graduated with a political science degree, so I'm definitely new to the more financial world and have a few questions on where to start or where my friends and I invest our money or what I hear being talked about around campus with the younger crowd. Sounds good. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I I feel like college was yesterday, but having been out for 20 some odd years, it's amazing how time flies. So be great to get a different uh, demographic perspective. So, um, so why don't you, well, let's take it away. You've got three questions. Uh, what is your first question? So, like I said, I'm definitely new to the financial world and I have not invested any of my money and I don't really know where to start. Where would you suggest um, someone in my position should make an account and how they go about investing their money for the first time? Um, that's a good one. And it's always, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know, people are always kind of looking for that magic tip or what should I do? Um, you know, the, the first thing, you know, for, uh, you know, newer investors or newer savers is you want to make sure you have a little bit of safety, you know, you know, it's kind of building up a little bit in your checking your savings account, uh, just to make sure that, you know, if you decide to get that apartment or you need to, you know, do something to your car, there's always a few thousand dollars, uh, you know, saved. Um, you know, so the first thing is always try to get a little bit of a buffer in your checking your savings account of maybe three to five thousand um, dollars. But when you when it's time to start investing, um, you know, ultimately you want to think about your time frame. So how long are you investing for? And so when when you when you say you know investing, are you thinking about you know the future, like long term savings, or maybe trying to you know kind of play the markets a little bit and make a quick dollar? I think for me, I would probably prefer like more long term. I know like when people are in and out of the market, that kind of scares me. So I'm not sure if that would be my type of thing. So I think just like keep it in there and try to make money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So typically, you know, one of the best places to start is with like an indexed uh, mutual fund or exchange traded fund. Uh, and that way you're getting a broad exposure to the entire market. You know, some, you know, people talk about like the S&P 500 that represents the 500 largest stocks in the United States. So, you know, if you can buy uh, a couple shares, you can put in $50 a month, you can put in $100 a month, you can put in 100,000 if you happen to have that type of money sitting around. Uh, but basically it's going to give you broad exposure to all 500 companies and you know over time you know there's going to be some good years there's going to be some bad years but you know historically it's it's provided a, a, a solid return for long-term investors um, it's not the most exciting thing to own um, so another kind of way to kind of keep things interesting is 
if there's a certain company that you're uh, have an affinity to, you know, maybe it's Apple, maybe it's uh, Amazon or, uh, you know, other socially conscious investing, uh, you can buy a lot of uh, investment firms now allow you to buy what's called fractional shares. So, if you only have $50 a month to buy and Amazon costs $2,000 a share, you used to have to wait till you had, you could buy an even amounts of shares, but now you can buy fractions of shares. So you can buy parts of a share of Amazon, you know, with your $50 a month or hundred dollars a month. So, you know, another way to kind of do it is pick one company that you're passionate about that you think has some, some long-term upside and you're not going to try to just sell if it goes up a little bit or, you know, panic if it goes down a little bit. Um, and you know, kind of, you know, get, go about it that way. Yeah, that's good to know. And at the beginning, you were talking about like saving your money and making sure you have a buffer zone. So I know I was thinking about this because post COVID everyone's spending money, going out to eat, going out for drinks, vacation, buying new clothes. So as a recent graduate, who's not making obviously as much money as someone who's been in the workforce for a while, what percentage of your paycheck or how much money would you suggest saving? Um, yeah, that's always like the, say you make a thousand dollars a week. Yeah. So, you know, how much, like any tip you have? um, right. You know, and a lot of times, you know, sometimes you, you know, if you're doing a financial plan or you're, you have a goal and you know exactly how much you're going to have to spend in the future, you can kind of walk it back and figure out, well, if, I, if I've got 10 years till I want to buy a house and I need to have $100,000 to buy the house, I have to save X amount of dollars per month, you know, in order to have that money for the down payment or for my kid's college or for retirement or whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, being just out of college, you know, there's probably a lot of unknowns about the future. So, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have a, a, a tangible goal that you might be saving for. So, you know, having a good kind of, you know, rule to go off of is helpful. And, you know, the, the simple number, and I've mentioned this in some of my past episodes is 10%. So if you're 22, 23, 25 years old, getting out of college or grad school, and you could save 10% of whatever you make, and you did that consistently for the next 45 years, you would have a lot of money uh, and you'd have a lot of flexibility to retire early and do a lot of things. So, you know, if you're making, you know, 50, 30 to $50,000 early in the workforce, that's not a whole lot of money. It's, you know, two or $300 a month. But, you know, when you compound that over years and years and years, and as your salary goes up, your, your, your kind of automatic savings is going up. Um, it's kind of a, a simple starting point. Um, you know, if, the difference of saving 10%, the only caveat to that is if you're paying rent and you've got a car payment, you've got a student loan payment and saving 10% of your income will have you having to build up credit card debt, then 10% is too high. <laughs> so I always tell people to say, you know, put 10% as the starting point. And if it's causing you to run up debt, then lower it a little bit. Um, if you find there's still some wiggle room, maybe increase it to 12% or 15%. Um, you know, so simple, a simple way to do that is if your employer offers a, a retirement plan, you know, sometimes they match up to a couple percent. So, you know, usually the first three or 4% of savings usually is into some form of like work plan where you're getting a, a match. Um, and beyond that, then, you know, that's where you might think about, you know, building up a, 
an account like, you know, you hear people talk about Robinhood or other investment accounts that are taxable accounts where you can save and buy stocks or buy investments. Um, you can do that at, you know, a lot of different places, but, um, you know, that might be another way to put a couple percentage of your salary so that you can invest it if you want, but if you ever needed it for an emergency or for a future goal, you could pull it out. Um, and then the last place, if you're saving some of your salary to think about is, uh, I always encourage younger investors to, to look into Roth IRAs um, because they are really, really great tools for long-term savings with a little bit of flexibility in case you get into a bind. No, that's good to know. I definitely have to share that with my friends because I know now some of us are moving out into apartments or spending a lot more money than when we were at school. So it's definitely important to save. And yeah. then you, you did one, one one last question. What's your final question? Yeah. So you did mention Robinhood in this past semester at school. I always heard that word connected with like trending stocks like AMC and GameStop that were super popular, especially I feel like with my generation. So would you suggest those or what are the risks with investing in something like that? That seems like more risky. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, my earlier question, whether you're thinking about like trying to make a quick dollar versus a long-term strategic investment, um, you know, the whole Robinhood craze and a lot of the social media, um, you know, that you kind of investors are able to communicate more effectively together and kind of get on the same, same bandwidth um, is unique. And it's, it's, it's been a, I'm not sure if it's a game changer when you look at the overall markets, but it's been a, a different mind shift in how people invest. Um, so, you know, Robinhood's great, a great platform for people that want to buy stock, but probably not for someone who's looking to do like a long-term, you know, kind of diversified investment strategy. You probably look to some other more traditional uh, investment houses. Um, and also if you wanted to add things like Roth IRAs and, and other investments. But, um, you know, there's when you're buying uh, individual stocks, especially ones that are more kind of trending, there's always that risk that what goes up could go down. Um, and, you know, the stock market doesn't always follow logical thinking. So you, you buy, when you take a, a, a company like GameStop that, you know, you see a lot of the stores going out of business and you know, people aren't buying, you know, physical video games. You wonder how a company like that can keep going up. And, you know, you always want to just ask, is this, um, you know, a stock that's going up because, you know, people are excited by it and driving the price up, but there's really not a lot of, you know, profitability there to, to justify it. Or is it a company that, you know, is doing well because they're doing well and they're, they're changing and innovating for the future. And I think they're going to do great things. So, um, you know, with any stock, like when you're buying an individual stock on these, some of these trending things, the best advice is to pick a, a number that you're comfortable getting in at and a number that you'll get out at uh, both upside and downside. So if you bought, uh, you know, you decided to you know go with the flow and you bought, you know, AMC and you bought it at, you know, $50 and it went up to a hundred, there's always that hope that that hundred is going to go to 200. So you don't want to sell it. Um, but you doubled your money. So, you know, similar to if you're sitting at a, a, a you know, blackjack table in Vegas, you have to have to know when to quit. So if you say, hey, if I make, if I can make 20% of my money in the three months, I'm going to sell the stock. And if it goes to 100% gain and I miss out on that, well, you know what, I, I'm fine with it because I made my 20. Um, on the flip side, you have to be willing to sell it at a loss. So 
if it goes down by 20%, you, you don't want to be too quick to sell, but you also don't want to be holding it um, till the very, very end. So, um, you know, individual stocks are fun, you know, typically in a long-term plan, you might say, I'm going to, you know, earmark five or 10% of my portfolio to being aggressive or kind of speculative like that, you know, but if your whole portfolio consists of $5,000, uh, 5% of that is only $250. That's not a whole lot of fun to play with. So, you know, for newer investors, it might be a bigger chunk because they're comfortable losing it and, you know, to regain it or, you know, rebuild it through savings. Is it a big deal? But, you know, if you're sitting on a half million dollars and you're gambling with hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars, it, it gets a whole lot scarier. Yeah. I like that blackjack comparison. It made it like easy to understand, but those stocks are so interesting to follow. It seems like on Twitter, if like Elon Musk tweets about them, they like happen to shoot up and then they go like really down. So they've been interesting to follow this past spring. It is, you know, and ultimately um, what happens when you kind of kind of fall in love with a stock a little bit is you get very price sensitive. So, um, you know, if you, you know, even you look at the price of Bitcoin right now and what's, you know, 38,000, 64,000, you know, it was 2000. So, you know, people kind of get stuck on a number. So I'm going to buy it. And when it hits X um, and they, you know, they, they, they don't realize, you know, especially as the numbers get bigger and bigger, because, you know, if, if uh, uh, Bitcoin's trading at 38,000 and it goes to 44,000, that's a $6,000 jump, which is a big, big price jump, but percentage wise, you know, that might be 18, 17, 18%. Yeah. So on the flip side, if you hold GameStop at you know hundred dollars and it goes to one hundred and thirty dollars, that's only a thirty dollar difference, but it's a thirty percent increase. Yeah. So if you ask, you know, would you rather make you know see the your price of your Bitcoin go up by six thousand dollars or your price of your GameStop stock go up by thirty dollars? What do you think most people would pick? I think they would pick the Bitcoin. Yeah, because it's a bigger number, 6,000. It's got to be more money, right? Well, no, it's actually less money because it was only 18%. So, you know, what happens is when, you know, people start trading individual stocks and they start watching it daily, they tend to, you know, the, the bigger number swings can be even more emotional. Um, so you just want to be wary of it. Um, like I said, I was, people that are kind of day trading, so to speak, you know, it's always, I always just make sure it's money they're comfortable losing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't want to lose too we much. might make money, but you might lose some. So just be comfortable losing it. I appreciate you joining us today, Emma. And uh, for one of our first uh, three questions with Matt episodes. Um, and any other uh, closing comments for the audience? I don't think so. But thank you so much for having me. This is fun. And I definitely have some knowledge I should share with my friends about <laughs> saving our money and investing. And yeah, thank you. Great. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.